Chapter 25 It's a ground-based weapons platform, Axe said. He was struggling to keep the slow-burn anger out of his voice. You can see the Dracon Beam already in place. They only need to position the targeting sensors to have it operational. We were at the edge of a perfectly round bowl, blasted or cut into the earth. We were in dense forest and anyone approaching from air or land would have still seen dense forest. Hologram projectors maintained perfect illusion until you got close enough. Hikers or campers who got close enough would most likely never return. They'd be dispatched by the patrols of human controllers and hork Bajir. A patrol had intercepted us. Now they wish they hadn't. The human controllers were trussed up tightly and hanging from a very high branch of a very tall tree. The hork may not be rocket scientists, but they are very good with vines, roots, and trees in general. Those controllers weren't going anywhere for a while. The hork controllers, four of them, had been knocked unconscious, their faces shoved into dugout holes in the dirt. Apparently, this kept hork unconscious longer. These four would be coming with us, unwillingly at first, but in three days or less. When the yurks in their heads died for lack of Kondrona rays, there'd be four more free hork We had slipped through the hologram and could now peer down cautiously from the lip of the vast hole the yurks had made. In the center was a single structure. It looked like some power station or something. Blank steel and bits of this and that jutting out at odd angles. Atop this structure was something that looked like a miniature Washington monument mounted on a swivel base. Is that the Dracon Beam? I've never seen one that large. I said. Axe swiveled his stock eyes toward me. The size is embarrassing, really. If the Yurks were any good at engineering, they could have an equally powerful weapon a third of that size. Is it powerful? It could vaporize entire mountains on your moon. He said flatly. Or destroy an Andalite ship in orbit. Can it be pointed down? At the ground? Jake asked him. Axe peered closely at the weapon. Then he smiled that strange Andalite smile they do without a mouth. Yes. How do we get down there? Rachel wondered. Fly? They'd see us and shoot us out of the air, Cassie said. What would they do if they captured a bunch of free Hork Bashir? I wondered. Toby looked at me and nodded. They would cage us and hold us till we could be made into controllers again. Until they could transport us to the Yurk Pool. They know we were at Frank's Safari Land the other night, Marco pointed out. So they know we have some contact with the free Hork Bashir. 
and if they brought back here, it means they're expecting a rescue attempt. Well, Mr. Three knows we're connected to the Freehork Bajir, but does whoever is running this project know it? Cassie speculated. Maybe, maybe not. Jake asked Toby, When you've raided this place in the past, how many of your people have come on each mission? Usually three or four. We did not want to risk everyone. Jake smiled. Then we send in three or four hork -Bajir. It'll look exactly like previous raids. Only these four hork will have hitchhikers on board. They put up a fight, then let themselves be taken. Only then do we demorph and strike. Marco groaned. We're not talking fleas again, are we? I hate morphing fleas. He had good reason. Marco had come very close to being trapped in flea morph. Being trapped as a hawk is one thing, but a flea? I'd rather die. Pick a bug, any bug, Rachel said with a laugh. Flea, fly, mosquito, a bug's a bug. Yeah, right, Marco muttered. I'm an ant and I get chomped in half. I'm a flea and I almost get stuck in morph. I don't have a good record with bugs. I got slapped as a fly, Jake offered. Like that was helpful? In the end, after some debate, Ford hork headed stealthily down toward the secret Yurk facility. On board them was a collection of insects. A flea, a mosquito, two cockroaches, one housefly, and a wolf spider. Marco was the spider. I went ahead and did the flea morph. They're gross, mostly blind, blood-sucking, brainless little things. But have you ever tried to kill one? You could swat at it all day, and it would just laugh. Unfortunately, I couldn't see anything from my vantage point at the base of Jarahami's front horn. I mean nothing. But I could listen to a running, thought-speak description, courtesy of Marco. He, after all, had eight eyes. Okay, we're sneaking. A few minutes later. I think we see Beck. He's in a cage, right out in the open, but no one's guarding him. Then... Man, the Yurks have no respect for the hork -Bajir. I mean, a two-year-old would look at this and think, Trap! Come on, put some effort into it. Post some expendable guards. Something. I felt a sudden violent jerk that translated itself up through Jarahami's body. Let me guess, we're caught. Yep, we are caught, Marco said, sounding satisfied. Chapter 26 Okay, here's the deal, as well as I can tell with a mix of simple and compound eyes, Marco reported. We're in a cage, big, thick bars, but a very conventional lock, a human lock. Beck's here, hugging Jarahami. How strong are the bars? Cassie wondered. How strong would you make the bars if you wanted to lock up hork -Bajir? Marco asked. Ah, strong then. We need to unlock the lock, Marco said. Do you think? Rachel mocked. With your intellect, maybe you could be our seer. Ha! Ha! And also, ha, huh. 
Marco said. We need the old Bajir to hide whoever demorphs, Jake said. That'd be me, I said. I'm smallest, easiest to hide. No one argued. It was obviously true. I fired my springy flea legs and hurtled, somersaulting, into the air. I fell for what felt like a very, very long time. Then I hit. I had probably just fallen a thousand times my own height, the equivalent of a human being leaping off a building five times the height of the World Trade Center. And when I hit, it was like, okay, what's next? I began to demorph, very slowly. I grew to about an inch across, then stopped. Jarahami, do you see me? Jara sees Bug. That's me. Tobias? Tobias is Bug? I found myself wishing we had let Toby come along, although she was too valuable to risk. Yes, I am the Bug. Jara, you have to get the other Horkbizir to hide me. Form a circle around me. Jara, do. I demorphed some more, till I was a six-inch monster with pin feathers growing out of rust-red flea armor. Not a pretty sight. Trust me, you don't want to see what a cross between a hawk beak and a skin-piercing, blood-sucking flea mouthpart looks like. But I had eyes now. Dim, weak ones, but eyes. I looked around and sighed. No, Jara, you want to turn outward. This way, it's kind of obvious you're shielding something. The hork turned outward, and I finished demorphing. I was easily hidden by the forest of tree trunk legs and tails all around me. All I had to do now was open the lock. Without benefit of fingers. There were guards now. Now that the trap had been sprung, six big hork armed to the teeth, stood outside and around the cage. But the entire prison was in the shadow of a sharp escarpment leading up to the weapon. It was maybe 50 feet high, almost vertical, a mound in the center of the scooped-out ball. I could see occasional glimpses of hork and taxon workers at the top of the slope, but they'd have had to look almost straight down to see us. A road had been cut into the escarpment, wide enough to accommodate human trucks. We had to go up that road to reach the weapon. I hawk walked out to the back of the cage. We hawks aren't fast on our talons, but we do know how to walk. I walked right through the gap between the bars. A hork controller looked down at me, puzzled, but then looked away. I looked at him, equally puzzled. Just how was I supposed to get a key from this guy? Walk up and ask him? Actually, I hawk walked around behind a tool shed. It's always weird when you find the Yerks using normal human stuff. This looked like one of the backyard tool sheds you buy at Sears. I walked behind the tool shed and I began to morph. The one morph that would seem perfectly at home here. I morphed Cat Halpak. I swaggered confidently out from behind the tool shed and walked over to the hork who looked like he was in charge. They want to see you, I said. Who? I jerked my head over my shoulder toward the main building. They! The hork scowled. 
The yerk in his head was half annoyed, half afraid. The visitor isn't here yet, is he? I turned my head and looked away, like I wasn't allowed to say more. Now the guy was 10% annoyed and 90% scared. I held out my claw. Give me the key! And it was just that simple. He handed me the key. I walked over and unlocked the cage. What are you doing? One of the other Horkbisher controllers demanded. I turned on him and swung my left fist up in a vicious uppercut. It connected with his jaw. He went down. The remaining four guards hesitated for a split second. Just long enough for Jara Hami and the others to come tearing out of the cage. I caught sight of something growing fast on the dirt floor of the cage. It was still about halfway mosquito, but there was no mistaking the tail growing out of that bug. There was a minute of sharp, brutal combat. Five free hork including myself, against the four guards. Then Axe joined the fight, and it all ended quickly. We shoved and dragged the guards into the cage and locked them up. Everyone morphed to battle morph. Me? I demorphed. We would need an eye in the sky. I caught a little breeze and floated up, just a dozen feet off the ground. I looked at our little force. Four free hork a tiger, a wolf, a gorilla, an andalite, and a very large elephant. A strange little platoon of warriors. The beautiful thing is, they can yell all they want. The Yurks will just think there are Horkbashir, Cassie said of the guards in the cage. Okay, Jake said. So far, so good. But we have a job to do. Ooh, he's getting all John Wayne, Marco said with a laugh. Jake ignored the remark. We have to take that weapon and blow it up. Quiet and fast. We want to be in there before anyone has a chance to react. There was a moment of expectant silence. Then Marco said, Rachel, what's keeping you? Oh, I forgot, she said. Then, in true Rachel style, she yelled, Let's do it! Thank you, Marco said. We can't run off on another idiot suicide mission without the blessing of the always insane Xena, warrior princess. We formed up, and then... On a signal from Jake, they tore out of there, out of concealment, out into the open, racing like mad to reach the weapons platform before something could go wrong. But I was in the air, and I had my own hawk's eyes, so I could see that already something had gone wrong. Chapter 27 Up the steep road, my friends and allies ran. They were directly behind a big dump truck, mostly invisible to the unsuspecting yurks above them. But they were not invisible. Not to the helicopter that came fwap fwap fwapping its way over the trees and into the concealed facility. It came around and swept low. It was a small helicopter, with one of those bubble canopies just large enough to hold a pilot and one passenger. One human passenger. Nothing else would have fit. The hork guard had acted as if Visser 3 was expected. This had to be him arriving now. The sun was on the canopy, blinding, hiding the person inside. 
An eagle or an osprey might have been able to see better. They're adapted for looking through sunlight on water. But all I could see was the vague outline of a human form. A finger pointing at my friends. And a flash of a ponytail. Aria! The helicopter roared past, oblivious to me, spinning me roughly in its rotor wash. It disappeared around the far side of the mound. How could I have been so stupid? How could I have ever been stupid enough to hope? How could I have failed to know? Had I been blinded by some pathetic desire for normalcy? It was all an act. Arya saving the little girl's life. Just an act. A show put on for the benefit of any Animorph who might be watching. I raged at myself. Raged and berated myself, piling anger on top of anger. Anger was good. Anger was safe. Anger was so much better than the other emotions that threatened to surface and overwhelm me. Fool, Tobias! Fool! I cried. Every two hours she went back to the bathroom at the hotel. Fool! How could you, of all people, have missed it? How could you, of all people, Tobias, not know what that meant? Two hours. Two hours in morph. A morph. Aria was a morph. I felt sick. I could barely flap my wings. I couldn't think. I couldn't see. Everything was just spinning around me. I hadn't realized till that moment how much this hope had meant to me. A home. A family. Not for you, Tobias. You idiot. You fool. I hate you. I hate you. I want you to die. I couldn't fly. I landed hard and lay there in the dirt. I just kept saying it over and over in my head. I hate you, Tobias. I hate you. I want you to die. In my life as a human, in my life as a bird, I have never been lower than that. I knew my friends were fighting. I knew they needed me. But I couldn't. Couldn't. After a while, a clawed hand snatched me roughly from the ground, and I realized I was moving very fast. Come with me, Tobias. The weapon is about to explode. It was Toby. In some distant corner of my mind, I wondered how, why she had come. Later, I would learn that the battle had gone badly for my friends. It was Toby who had come to the rescue with the other hork She had seen me fall. She saved me. And when we were safe again, she handed me to Rachel. How did Toby know to give me to Rachel? I don't know. All I know is, I was carried, bundled up in Rachel's arms, till we made it back. They took me to the barn. Cassie looked me over, lifting wings and spreading feathers, looking for an injury. Tobias, where were you hit? She asked me, puzzled. I felt like I had to pull the words out of a deep well, like they each weighed a thousand pounds. I wasn't, I said. Then what's the matter? Jake asked. It's Arya, I said. Your cousin? The woman who wants to take you in? Jake said. 
She's a morph, I said without any emotion at all. It's all a trap. She's Visser Three. Then I laughed. The woman who is going to be my family? She's Visser Three. <laughs> now that's funny. That is really, really funny. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, thank you so much for listening. This was, boy, pretty intense chapters, huh? A lot going on. A lot of uh, deep personal emotions for Tobias this time. <laughs> I had fun. I hope you did, too. Uh, before we get to ending this episode, I, of course, have a message that I'd like to read. This one came in anonymously through Tumblr. If you'd like to send me an anonymous or not anonymous Tumblr message, you can do that at audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. This one reads, Hi, Audiomorphscast. I just finished listening to the first Megamorphs today and wanted to say how much I enjoyed the podcast slash audiobook. It really helps the day go by faster. You already say you're going to the end of the line, so I hope to reach there with everyone else listening too. What a nice, nice, short, and sweet message. Anonymous, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, join me on this wet and wild adventure we're on, uh, where I, I've i been doing this for like four years now, which is simply absurd. Simply absurd. I really started this on a whim, and now I am super committed. And uh, enjoy the ride. I know I am. That's all I got, so if you'd like to send messages but you hate Tumblr for some reason, you can also do it uh, on Gmail. That's audiomorphscast at gmail.com, or through my website, theapodcalypse.com. That's the apocalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Um, and also, you can reach me on Twitter at Audiomorphs. And if you do reach me on Twitter at Audiomorphs, I promise this time, if you DM me, I will check and see it. Um, because I learned recently, as in last week, uh, right after I posted the episode, actually, <laughs> that Twitter doesn't alert you when you get a message request from someone that um, isn't your like mutual. So I, I just had a whole bunch of messages from people dating back to, like, November of last year. And for that, I truly apologize. That's on me. Um, but I will, I will do better about checking those moving forward. Um, and thank you, everyone, for your nice messages. I really appreciated them. If you use Apple Podcasts and would like to leave me a rating and review, that is certainly something else you can do that I will read and appreciate. So thank you. And if you tell a friend... I won't read that, because that you can't read telling a friend. That's usually a verbal communication, but I guess you could text it. All right, yeah. If you uh, text your friend about this and then send me that text, I will read it on the show, I guess. Um, but I can only read it if I know about it, so if you don't tell me about it, um, then that's just a very nice thing you've done for me that I'll never know about. So thank you. Ooh, can you hear the helicopter? They're coming. I got my window open because it's hot out. You know what time it is. So I'm going to wrap this up before that gets louder. Oh, it's getting louder. All right, here we go. Thank you, so much for li- Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>